Well, good morning again, New Life. Let me just get a look at everybody here. I see all the people that showed up as we were worshiping. That happens sometimes, right? Sometimes you have, a, have to uh, kind of get things going. But uh, we're glad that you are here right now and, uh, and a part of this time together this morning. I can't begin to tell you how incredibly honored that I am to be, a, to be here with you today. Uh, if you were here two weeks ago, we, I had the opportunity to come and, and just for my first time ever being at New Life, uh, incredible um, just hospitality and friendliness and a chance to greet you then. And today is a great opportunity. <clears throat> I am looking so forward to what God has for us, not just today, but next Sunday. When Pastor Devin got a hold of me, he said, hey, can you come for two weeks? And I said, why don't I come for three weeks? And then we had to bargain that back to two. Uh, but I am here for two weeks. I'm here today and next week. And I, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. I've got some things that I want to share uh, in regards to Pastor Jevin and Jenny and their boys. Uh, but I want to tell you a little bit about myself. I, I, I briefly was able to tell you some things, and I, wanna, I don't want to take a lot of time because I want to get into the Word, but uh, my name is Jeff Bullard. My wife, Dawn, who is sitting on the front row, stand up. I'm going to make her stand because she loves when I do that to her. Here's just some things about our lives. We've been in ministry for almost 30, in fact, 30 years this month. We youth pastored in Egan, Minnesota. Has anybody ever been to the Twin Cities of Minnesota? Yes, so on the south side of the Twin Cities there in Egan, Minnesota, was where we were at for uh, our first three years out of Bible college, and then we youth pastored in Worcester, Ohio, where I met your pastor at the age of 11 years old. He was 11. I see a couple kids today that might be near that point of 11. That's how old your pastor was when I met him. And I've pastored most recently in Winchester, Indiana. We went there in October of 2001. And in January of 2023, we shared our last Sunday, and in early February, we handed off the baton to the next pastor that's there, and we currently live in Winchester, but for 21 years, we were there in Winchester, Indiana, uh, and if you're not sure where Winchester is, you go to Muncie, and then you go directly east, about 20 to 25 miles. That's where we we're at. Devin also served on staff with us there on a few different stints. God has opened the doors for us, however, in this last couple of years. We started feeling, I was sharing with some uh, a little bit ago with someone, uh, we started sensing just kind of like a, a restlessness, like our time was coming to an end. And so, and so last year, about this time last year, the Lord began to open some doors. For many years, I've part-time worked uh, in broadcast television with, with NBC and Fox Sports and different things like that, uh, mainly on Notre Dame football. Any, any Notre Dame fans in the house, or is it all Purdue? Okay. So, all right, I've got, some, I've got some quick friends. I'll know who to preach to today. Uh, but I've had the opportunity over many years to do that. And last year, in the midst of this shifting season that we felt led that our, our lead pastor days were, were coming to a close for this season of our lives, God began to open some doors, and so I began doing that full time. And then that is currently what I'm doing. But we're also looking at what our next ministry steps are. And part of that is me being here today. I believe in the local church. I believe God desires to move and to enact things in the local church and throughout communities all across Indiana, really all across the nation and the world, right? 
but the local church is the vehicle that he desires to use and to move through. And so my passion has become, with friendships and different things that I have, just to come alongside churches whenever the opportunity arises to preach, to give opportunity to, uh, to just talk and, and help a pastor walking through different situations and different things. And so we're in the midst of kind of forming that and doing that. But I want to tell you something today, and I need you to pray for me. I haven't preached in four months. And I love preaching, and I also know that there's some time constraints, so we need a miracle of Almighty God in this place today, right? Uh, but it, again, it is my honor to be here and to be a part of this. Let me just share a little bit about my family. My family is here today. I want to just warn you, we travel in packs, so we're going to be here the next two weeks. Uh, but uh, there is a picture of my family. Uh, I have five daughters. Yep. We need to stop right there and pray, right? I have five daughters, two sons-in-law. I have three grandsons. Praise God, we finally got some boys. Two granddaughters, one of them that was worshiping with us at the front row here this morning. Uh, and then my three other daughters, I won't say all their names. I won't make them stand, and they're forever thankful for that today. But I wanted to talk, before we go to that next slide, I wanted to talk about Pastor Devin and Jenny who they are and what they mean to me. Now, if my calculations serve me correct, I believe it's, they've been here three and a half years. Is that correct? Three and a half years. Isn't God good that he brought them to you three and a half years ago, just months before the pandemic hit? And the challenges that certainly all churches, but certainly this church was facing in those moments. I am someone that's watched Pastor Devin's progression, as I said, from age 11 and I've watched Jenny from the age of about 18 or 19 years old. And the last few years, I've begun to change my tune about them because I did not want to speak as if they will be something great someday or when they grow up, but they are great right now. God is using them mightily right now. And my focus has often been as a mentor or spiritual father, and I certainly cherish that. But listen, it's so much more to just Devin being my brother in Christ and being somebody that I am so incredibly proud of and I want to just speak this for on their behalf that right now for Kokomo and for new life it is a now season for y'all like God is in the middle of doing something Devin shares with me often of what's happening different different projects different things that's going on and I'm telling you you could not be here at a better time and this church has a great history right we don't want to ever deny that but the time that this that this church is in right now I want to encourage you with everything within me to plug in, to, to step in to all that God has. And Pastor Devin and Jenny are part of that. So today I just want to speak a blessing over them, over Joel, Aiden, and Gray. They are a family, an example, and a representation of what God desires to do in raising up a generation that was going to follow hard after the Lord and fulfill his purposes. Do you agree with that with me? And he is your leader. I want to just I want to say something too. Pastoring, lead pastoring for 21 years. I want to tell you something. It's amazing to get away, and we do. As pastors, we do. But he never stops thinking about you. Even today and even this week as they relax, they have time with their family, God will have you on his heart this week. Pastoring, you don't go and punch a clock and you walk away. Pastoring and investing and loving people and going through difficulties and going through struggles and going through victories pastoring is something that just does not leave you and so today I bless them and I think it would be amazing if we could to take just a moment and pray for them 
that God would, most of all, protect them, but that God would just give them an amazing week to take some deep breaths and come back refreshed on Father's Day. I wouldn't miss Father's Day, by the way, if I were you. It's going to be amazing. But would you pray with me? Can we do that for just a moment this morning? Let's pray over Pastor Devin and Jenny. So, Lord, right now, we bless them with every good blessing. Lord, we honor them. I thank you for this church, Lord, that has welcomed them so freely. I've just rejoiced at the progression, even in three and a half years. This has always been a great church. There's always been amazing people here, and God, we believe that to be true. But Lord, we know that your destinies and your purposes are, are continuing to be fulfilled. So Lord, this week, as they are in these moments of, of, of relaxation, these moments of connecting with their family, God, we just speak a blessing, and we speak in those moments that you would speak to them and lift them and encourage them in a powerful way. Lord, we thank you for them, we pray over them, and we bless them in Jesus' name. And everybody said with me, amen. Amen. Now listen, it wouldn't be fair if I just told you all those things and then I didn't share some things that I think we can have a little bit of fun with this morning. So let's look at some pictures of Pastor Devin. So that picture on the left <laughs> is, is from about 1999, 2000, and, and that's Devin with my second oldest daughter, Alexandra. Stand up, Alexandra. This is Alexandra, and that's two and a half, three-year-old Alexandra that had a crush on Devin for like the <laughs> entire time that I was Devin's youth pastor. And uh, the ornery smile there looks just like the sun that she's holding right now. So on the right is, don't let Devin tell you he can't sing because uh, he and our small ensemble and large ensemble yearly would go through our, fine ar- through our fine arts festivals all the way to nationals. And look at Devin just singing it out right there. Isn't that amazing? Don't tell him I'm showing you these. Because we got some more good ones. Let's look what else we've got here. Oh, no. Look at the one on the left. Do I even need to say anything? I mean, come on. Uh, Devin, Devin serves two stints with us at Freedom Life Church in Winchester. And that on the left there was, uh, I don't know if he and Jenny had just gotten married or they were still dating at that point. Obviously, she dated him for his uh, choice of fashion. <coughs> but they were having a youth uh, uh, night at, I think, a roller skating rink or something. And they took all these crazy pictures. Now, listen. He can't talk out of school because I found all these on his Facebook. All you got to do is go to his Facebook and you find these, right? So there's Devin on the left. Well, some of them are. I, I've got some next week, too. You don't want, nothing else come next week. I got some good ones next week, too. And then they've got some engagement picture up there. Devin has not always had short hair, as you can see down at the bottom. And then the Mexican restaurant in Winchester, El Caraton, was their favorite. And you can see Devin there owning that uh, sombrero uh, and Jenny just being... Jenny, just being hilarious, right? Uh, so that was around probably 04, 05. That's your pastor, and, uh, and we honor him, right? So, but again, please don't tell him I've done any of this today. We can just keep it between us. Listen, the next few weeks I want to talk about this topic, and the topic is this. What if? What if? What if? You know, we use that phrase in a lot of different ways, and we have to handle that question in our lives as it comes, as different things come our way, as we go through different seasons. And if, if we're not careful, when we, ask the word, when we ask that phrase, what if, it can become the obituary to our hopes and dreams. 
If you're an optimistic person, a faith-filled person, the phrase, what if, can elicit all kinds of dreams and visions and excitement for what God wants to do in our lives. For a pessimistic type person, the what if can become, oh no, what if, right? What if can be asked in a lot of different ways. You remember that old cartoon, and I don't remember it, but the old cartoon where, uh, they, I don't even remember the context, but these words stick in my, in my, in my head uh, of the guy that would, say, that would say, we'll never make it, right? You're always going to have those competing voices, and so this idea of what if, this, this thing of, of what God wants to do, from the vantage point of faith, God desires us to be able to ask the what-if questions. And you know what? There's times in our life where the what-ifs always, aren't always fulfilled like we would like them to be if we're being honest, correct? But then there's also moments where if we've begun to dream it and see it, God has begun to open doors and the what-ifs become, uh, become, unfold be, before our very eyes. You see, God looks for those places in our lives where we will be willing to ask the what-ifs. Today we want to talk about what-ifs from the impossible. So I want to start by going to Hebrews chapter 11. It's a familiar passage of Scripture. It's one that, uh, that, you, uh, that we all know. It's, it's the chapter of faith. It's the hall of fame of faith. And it begins uh, with this thought, and I want to look at it from, from a couple of different versions. The first one is the New King James. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we, under, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that these things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The NLT, New Living Translation, says faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. Finally, the NIV is what the, way, the one that I actually probably like the, the, the best rendering in this particular instance. The NIV says it this way. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Those two words right there, confidence and assurance, are something that I want you to focus on here. As we talk about the what-ifs of life, both today and next week, I want you to think about it from the standpoint of that idea of confidence and assurance. God has built us in such a way, and he has planted in us the Spirit of God that is, to, that is to give us this idea that we can have confidence and assurance, and we can have them in places that don't even make sense at times. What are the what-ifs that you face in your heart, in life? We're going to look at it in two places. The first one is this, the impossible, which is this week. There are what-ifs in the impossible realm for many of you today. And I want to talk to you about it. I want to hopefully build your faith. Next week, we're going to talk about the, uh, facing the what-ifs in the ordinary places of life. Sometimes we get so focused on a life of faith for the impossible that we forget the fact that God has called us to have faith for the ordinary. And we'll talk about that again at greater length next week. When contemplating the what-ifs, here's what I want to share with you. The impossible looks like odds that are stacked against you, or being willing to take a risk in a situation. The ordinary looks like just continuing to take the next step. So for a few moments this morning, I want to identify in our lives as we face the what-ifs for life circumstances and life important life decisions. For life circumstances and important life decisions. 
Matthew 19, 26 says it like this. When, when Jesus was having this exchange uh, with, with the, the rich man about, about finding salvation, and the rich man was like, I, I, don't know, I, I don't know how I can be saved. And Jesus said it's easier to, for, a, for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle, right, uh, than it is for this. And, and so the, the man said, well, what can happen? And Jesus said, listen, with man, everything's impossible. It's impossible with man, but with God, all things are possible. I want you all to say those, those, those blue words up there with me. With God, all things are possible. I love what Ephesians chapter 3 says. And, I, and, and there's a whole prayer that Paul prays. If you, ever, if you ever look at Paul's writings to the different churches, you'll see the different points where he says different things to different ones. And as he does, he, he always has something in there to build our faith. Skipping all the way down to verse 20 in that chapter, he says, he says this, he says, Now to him who is able to exceedingly abundantly ab- above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus for all generations forever and ever. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. We don't have a God. I want to just encourage you, New Life, today. We don't just have a God who just does things average. In fact, he doesn't just do things kind of above average. He is a God that does things, say it with me, exceedingly, abundantly, above. How does that speak to the what-ifs of your life? Where do you stand on those what if moments, those things that are going on in each of our lives? Where are your what ifs taking you today? To look at that, we've got to think about some different things. So I want to look at two areas. The first one is the impossibilities in our life circumstances. The other one is the impossibilities in our life decisions. What are life circumstances? Well, let's look at a few of these. The first one that I want to share with you are illnesses and the need for divine healing. You know, we have things that face our lives, and, and, and there's moments when we're faced with impossible diagnoses. We're faced with impossible situations. There's, there, there's times when we, we have things come across our path that, that, that really there's no answer for, and it's an impossible situation. How about this? Impossibilities with people and relationships. Now, I know Kokomo doesn't struggle with that at all. Where I'm from in Winchester, we have our moments. And there's moments when the relationships seem impossible. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a, it's a broken relationship with someone that you once had relationship with. How about this? Financial circumstances that come along. Sometimes we find ourselves in those places. How about this? Miracles. We just need a miracle, something that is a bona fide miracle. How about this? Our impossibilities within our heart and soul, or within someone's heart and soul. And finally, this, this just covers it all, the impossibility of brokenness and difficulty of any kind or any sort. I think all of us can, can, can agree with that thought that life is tough. I see that, you know, as, I, as I'm getting older, I, I recognize that I've lived more life, right? And, and I can see, man, there, is, there are some warriors in this room. I've had the chance now for two different weeks to just greet some of you and watch some of you and just watch your, just see where you are at in your faith. And I want to tell you something. Those people that have gone before us, 
We ought to honor what they've been through and what they're going through and what they've, and what they've weathered. There are warriors in this room that be, through brokenness, through, through, through situations, through illness, God has sustained them and they've faced those impossibilities. Wherever you find yourself today, the impossibilities in life circumstances, God wants to give you hope in the midst of that. But impossibilities don't just show up in our circumstances. They show up in our lives, in our lives decisions. The things that we have to say and do. The things that we have to go through. How about this? That dream that God has placed in your heart. Something that God is, that only if God makes it happen, that's the only way it's going to go on. What about those types of impossibilities today? How about this? The, the class that you wanted to take to improve yourself or the degree that you've been contemplating. How about this? The life ministry or the investment that you're apprehensive to take. How about this one? Just breaking out of the normal of your life. You know, they define the word insanity by doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. And I think that there's moments in our lives where God wants to shake us and cause us to take a step of faith and say, God, what are the impossibilities? What are the things that you want to do? What dreams do you want to see me fulfill? Those difficult and hard things, those risky places, that step of faith that he is calling you to do. So we have to make decisions. We have to go through these life circumstances. We have to make life decisions. And we have to know and have in our toolbox as believers the things that it takes to be able to, to weather those moments, to, to step into those what-ifs. And I want to challenge you with just some thoughts today. And I'm going to go through some ideas and some scripture. And I'm going to probably go a little rapid fire. And then I'll sometimes my ADD kicks in and I will be like a squirrel and I'll go down a little rabbit trail or a squirrel trail or whatever. So just hang with me. I believe that everything that I say this morning, God has intended it to bring encouragement and lift to you, okay? So maybe there's something that I camp on. Maybe that's specifically for somebody in this room this morning. But I want to share with you the thoughts and the things that I have on how we respond to the impossible what-ifs of our life. The first place that we need to do that is, is in our history. How do we respond to the impossible things? I think it's important to remember our history. How many of you in this room today have served Jesus for over 10 years? Yeah. How many of you for over 20 years? Let's keep it going. How many 30 years or more? Amazing. We'll do one more because then we'll really start singling people out. How many 40 years or more? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> Our history has so many things to say, right? And we'll go through the rest of these in a minute, but let me share some scripture. There is something to be said about having a history with God. Having a history in the impossible moments, you've seen him do it before, you know he'll do it again. Here's what it says in Habakkuk chapter 3, as Habakkuk is praying this prayer. He says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. I think about that prayer, and, 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 and whether you've had a history in God or not, I think it's important for us, if we haven't had a history in a certain place in our life, to find somebody that has. You know who some of the most, as a pastor, who some of the most effective people that I had in my church were? They were people that had been through some fires. 
And I'd been through a fair amount of fires in my life, right, that I could be a help, but there was sometimes when somebody would come and say, Pastor, I've just been faced with a diagnosis. Well, you know who I would find? I'd find somebody that had gotten healing, and I said, let's come together. Let's bring some encouragement of history of who God is into the situation. Pastor, I've, I, I'm having a marital issue. Uh, uh, man, I could counsel and do everything that I possibly could, but at the end of the day, I'd find somebody that God miraculously healed their relationship and bring them into the equation and say, look at the history of the impossible situation that God moved in in my life. God, I've heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds. Repeat them, God, in our day. Can we be a people that says, Lord, we have heard of you. We know who you are, either personally or from a friend or somebody that we admire in the faith. God renew those things in our day. Can we be that type of people? I love what Psalm chapter 100 gives us the reminder. It says, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generation. So the first way we respond to what ifs is we go and we look at our history. The second way that we do that is our authority. Everybody say authority. Authority has a lot of connotation in this day and age, doesn't it? Authority has a lot of meaning in in what we face in our world in this moment. I love what Matthew chapter 8, it tells the story of the centurion soldier that comes to Jesus, and, and and I'll paraphrase some of it and then we'll lock in. He comes to Jesus and saying that his servant is paralyzed and, and, and the exchange goes back and forth as it, as it says here and he says, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof after Jesus said, I'll come. The soldier said, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, verse 9, and I have soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and another one, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and he said to those, who followed, oh, surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Not even in Israel. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way as you believe, so let it be done for you. And his servant healed him. He was servant was healed at that very hour. Listen, there's mo- there are moments in our life that Jesus, not, not from a, I want to I be careful with this, not from a, not from a hyper faith place where we deserve it and Jesus, you better, you better do it for Jesus but from a place of knowing who we are in him, that we can speak authority to situations, that we can speak the word over situations, that we can go to the impossible places, and God, through his authority that he's put on our lives, will make a change and make a difference. I love what Matthew chapter 28 says in the Great Commission. It says, then Jesus said in verse 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. He was telling his disciples there that he had the authority. He was now giving them that same authority to go now and make disciples. There is an authority in the believer's life, in the believer's heart, that we must take seriously in our lives. Some more of what Paul said to the Ephesians, verse, chapter 1, verse 18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Here at Kokomo, I want you to hear this today as it's spoken to you. I pray that the eyes of Kokomo New Life would be enlightened, that your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Here's that power. It's the power that is the working of his mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ 
from the dead. Romans 8.11 says much the same thing. Listen, Kokomo New Life, I want you to grasp this today. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in you. There is something that you bring to the table that isn't brought to the table by any other means. And it's through the authority of Jesus Christ that he's placed upon you. I love what your mural says out. I, I, I know Pastor Devin, when, they, when you guys did that, for God so loved Kokomo. There's a reason why you are in this community, in this city, in this county. God has put you to be salt and light. He has called you to take the authority that God has given and to spread it throughout the world. There's impossible situations that's just waiting for somebody with a level of authority to walk into that situation. Guess what? When you walk into your workplace, it's not you that walks in. It's the authority of Jesus that walks in. When you walk into that bad situation, when you walk into that hospital room, it's not you walking in. It's the authority of Jesus walking into that situation. When you're thinking about that dream and that impossible thing in your life that's like, oh my goodness, this thing is too big for, any, for it to ever happen. It's not you doing it. It's the authority of Jesus that's doing it through you. Can we live from the place of authority in our lives? Let's move on. The third place. I'm trying to hurry. The third place is this. We find, a, we find uh, the impossible places, the way that we move through our impossible places is through our words. Again, another great story, Ezekiel 37. The Lord speaking to Ezekiel, I'll just read it, verse 1. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. And he set me in the middle of a valley. The valley was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. The Lord asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Verse 4 then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. I believe that going along with our history and our authority, I believe that the words we speak in the situations bring life and death. Proverbs 18, 21 tells us that. That we have an option to, to enter a situation. And God gives us the choice. You say, well, God did it. Yeah, God does everything, right? But there's moments that he wants to use you to accomplish the great things that he wants to do. So when a possible situations come up, I want you to envision your valley of dry bones. I want you to see those places in your heart and life that you're like, there, Lord, only you know if this thing can live. But then when he says, son or daughter, prophesy to that thing, you with all faith, you just do whatever he commands. And when you prophesy to those bones, the rest of the scripture is amazing. And I don't, want to sh I, I, I don't have time to go into the rest of it. You know it well if you've been around long enough. As he prophesied to those bones, as he prophesied to the breath later on in, the, in, that, in that passage, it says that those bones grew up into a great and mighty army. There are some, of, there are some situations that God's just waiting for somebody that will speak the word. He's waiting for somebody that will call it out in Jesus' name. It's not just a formula. It's the real thing. Will you prophesy? Will you speak? Will you bring your words for the impossible into the situation?
And by your words, I mean the words that he gives you to say, right? It's not about us. It's about him. So our words, our authority, our, word, our, our history, our authority, our words, our obedience. And I'm going to talk about that next week because I think that lines up so much, uh, probably a lot better with where we're going to go into the ordinary places of our lives next week. But the last one I want to talk about is our courage. We respond to the impossible what-ifs with our courage. I'm always drawn to this story when I think about the impossible situations of life. From Luke chapter 18, the, the blind man that Jesus came upon. Verse 35, Jesus approached Jericho. A blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, the man asked what was happening, and they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. So he called out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. I think it's interesting. Sometimes we get caught reading passages and we just read through them. But I, I wonder how loud this man must have been. I wonder how desperate he must have, he must have let out that yell that day as Jesus passed. This was his opportunity. This was his moment for the impossible. And he didn't care what the norms were or what things would be said about him. He, with all passion, and I'm into a mic, so I want to be careful. But he said, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And it stopped, eventually stopped Jesus in his tracks. And he ordered the man to be brought to him and as he came near to Jesus. I'm sorry, I need to read verse 39. Go back there one, because I think this is, this is very important. It says, those who led the way rebuked the man and said, be quiet. But it says he shouted all the more. He shouted all the more. There's moments when your impossibility will try to shut you down and shut you up. But there's something inside of you that has to rise up and say, God, you've got this. I'm going to take courage and, and bravery in this moment, and I'm going to shout all the more. He shouted all the more and said, Son of David, have mercy on me. So when Jesus stopped, now verse 40, the, he had the man brought to him. He said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I, I want to see. Jesus said, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight. Followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. How about courage? Courage looked like Peter in Matthew chapter 14. When they were out on the water and Peter saw Jesus, that short, the short part of that exchange, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come on the water. And Jesus said, come. Peter got out of the boat. He walked on the water and he came toward Jesus. I want to tell you that we need to respond to the what-ifs through our history through the authority that God has given us, gifted us with, through the words that we speak into our situations, through our obedience, and certainly through our courage. Let me share this thought with you this morning. No one that is ever worried about what people think of them will, will ever be able to succeed in the impossible what-if places of life. If you are concerned about what people might think, if you are concerned about the reputation that you might gain, because you are somebody that is trying to see God do impossible things in your life. You'll never be able to fulfill what God has. How about this? In other words, people believing, I'm sorry, faith-filled prayers and risk-takers often seem audacious and arrogant to the faithless and the institution of religion. Do it anyways. Listen, I was born 
I might as well have been born in church. I grew up in uh, northern Indiana. We went to, we went to uh, what was Calvary Temple Church at the time. Uh, it's called uh, Southgate Church now. I was there. Have you ever heard the phrase that you cut your teeth on pews? <laughs> well, we didn't have pews. But we had these theater seats that when you sat on them, they, they, they were like this. And when you sat on them, it came down. But if you were a young child like I was and you stuck your finger underneath, it'd get pinched. So I always put it like this. I didn't cut my teeth on the pews. I would get my fingers pinched as a little boy when I'd stick my finger underneath the seat. Brilliant. Didn't take long to realize, don't do that. But being around faith for a long time, your faith can begin to grow dim if you're not careful. And you have to get to a place <clears throat> where you do not let the institution of religion, the arrogance of faithlessness. Has anybody ever seen somebody that's just newly saved come around and, and you begin to say, what's gotten into them? Probably some of what needs to get into me. Faith-filled prayers and risk-takers will often seem audacious and arrogant. In other words, this, people believing and moving towards living in the impossible what-ifs will ever be intent on saving their reputation. Just think of Noah, what Noah's life was like, what Noah did. Man, Noah was at a place where his life was being ridiculed daily for what he was doing to save mankind. Where are the impossible situations in your life? Whether it be circumstances or life decisions. I want to talk about my father that's here this morning. I introduced him to a few of you here today. I introduced him to Don, who I've met Don for the second time. I've met Pam for the second time. And I've met even more of you here this morning. My, my sister Pam met my Kokomo Pam. I guess I can call Don my Kokomo dad. My Kokomo dad met my real dad. My dad will be 88 in a few weeks. Let me tell you about my dad's last year. Really, the last three or four years could be something. In fact, the last week, right? My sister Pam's here. The last week's been something else too. But my dad, who is almost 88 years old, my mother passed away a few years ago. My dad's just been living life. He's just been moving forward. But my dad is an avid football fan, high school football. Is high school football big in Kokomo? Uh, high school basketball? Yeah, there we go. That's a little better, right? My dad uh, ha went to high school at Mishawaka High School, and he has always gone to their high school football games. Well, in September, he was there uh, on his own in Goshen at a game and fell and broke, I don't remember which one, he broke one of his hips, had to have hip replacement surgery, began re he began uh, rehab and all those things from September uh, October, November, December, into January. And in January, I won't go into the whole story, but he decided that one broken hip wasn't enough. He broke his other hip. And my father, who is almost 88, misses my mother dearly, by the way, married for over 60 years, has had to, in the last four months of his life, exert some level of this is impossible, but I must keep going. You know, situations like that, it's situations like watching my dad go through those moments and watching different ones of you, and I'm sure that over three and a half years, Pastor Devin has walked with some of you in impossible moments. 
I know in, 30, in, in 21 years of senior lead pastoring, the same is true. can be said that there were impossible situations that I would literally sit with a couple or with an individual, and I would think to myself while I'm speaking faith, oh God, this isn't going to be good. But I would have to say, God, you are the God of the impossible. God, this circumstance is not bigger than you. God, this important integral life decision is not beyond your realm and your reach. And I just feel like I want to encourage you and bring you a a sense of lift and build your faith this morning that the impossible is made possible through him. That whatever you're facing, God can show up in a moment and the story can be rewritten. God can show up and give you that dream and let you take a step of faith that you never thought you could take. I can guarantee you one year ago when my wife and I, after 21 years pastoring, thinking that we were always going to do that, it was odd and it was foreign, but we knew God was telling us to step out. That was not an easy moment. But I can tell you here today that he is showing that the impossible moments of our life, he has created an opportunity for us to trust him fully and that we can have evidence, substance of things that are not seen right before us come to pass. Where are you at? in that realm this morning. I want to just ask you these questions. What life circumstances and what ifs are you facing today? What circumstances, what ifs are you facing today? How about this? What life decisions of what if are you facing today? And then this last one that I just want, I just want to charge. If I could, if I could, if I could plug you into this today, who of you today wants to believe for the impossible, wants to believe that God can, will, and is going to do the impossible in your life. And then I want to close with this because this was the kicker for the entire sermon, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, that is the God And I encourage you to read that whole passage because I'm kind of picking that out, but it it speaks to what God's desires are for our lives. God wants to do that work in your life. What's your what if today? Would you bow your heads with me in this moment this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the honor of sharing your word with such dear people of God. Lord, this church is on a trajectory that just watch out. There are so many great things in store. But in the midst of those things, God, there's going to be what-ifs. There's going to be impossibilities that face them. God, even in this room this morning with this many people here, there's a likelihood that some have, have gotten a diagnosis. There are some that are battling a disease. There are some that are facing circumstances that are just so far beyond their control. There are some that are dealing with relationship issues or, 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 or issues of their heart and soul issues of brokenness. God, I pray that you would rush in in the way that you do and show them that there is hope. But Lord, there's also those in this room today that life decisions that seem impossible before them are there this morning. And I just pray in Jesus' name that you would give people the courage, the authority, the words the obedience. God, that you would give them all of those things that they could walk into those impossible realms. 
I'm just declaring that there will be open doors into this community for, for, for Kokomo New Life more than ever before. And that you'd give people in this room the opportunity to step into those places. Lord, we thank you. You know, if you're in this place this morning, just with nobody looking around for just a few more seconds, and you'd say, Pastor, I'm in this place, and, and if I'm going to be honest, I'm not even in a right place in my heart with Jesus. I want to tell you, that's the greatest what if that needs to be answered. What if you would just say yes today? What if you would just say, you know what, I throw everything out. I run hard after him. There is nothing that, can, that I want to separate me. There's no sin. There's nothing in my life that I want to, to be that, that place in my life anymore. If that's you this morning, I want to pray with you and pray over you. In fact, let's do this. I want you to just say this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you and I thank you for giving your life, for giving your son's life for me. And today, I turn from my sin and I run to you. Change my heart, change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? How I want to close services like this, and I know we've gone just probably a few minutes more than what you're used to, but if there's anybody here this morning, then you would say, Pastor Jeff, I'm in a place where there are impossibilities. I'm in a place where I'm getting ready to step into some impossible places that are exciting, that they're full of dreams, but I need God's assurance today. If any of you are in any of those situations, just as we close with this time of worship, the song of worship this morning, would you just come and even if it's just for three or four minutes this morning, could we spend some time, and I agree with you, agree with one another in prayer, that God is going to come into these places. And then we will close in just a moment. If you do need to get going, you certainly can. But let's just avail these next four or five minutes to the Lord and to the what-ifs that God has over our lives.